Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one. 2 Kings chapter 6. Let's read the word of the Lord. If you're all there, say yes. All right, let's read from verse uh, 13. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he's in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. Pardon me. And they came at night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose early, went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Verse 16. So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Let's all say that again together. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Let's make that personal. Lord, I pray, open my eyes. You ready? Lord, I pray, open my eyes that I may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you've done in the first service and what you'll do now in this service. I pray, Holy Spirit, come, give us living understanding. May we never be the same because your word is preached today. It goes forth and it doesn't return void. We give you glory, honor, power, dominion, authority. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Starting a new series on vision here, three, four messages probably. Uh, This is Vision Sunday, and I should also tell you that it's the start of the Feast of Tabernacles, and perhaps the Lord will let me preach on that tonight. It starts uh, today and goes all the way through uh, next Sunday, one of the major feasts uh, in Israel, the Feast of Tabernacles. The message I'm about to preach to you is going to change your life. If you can tune your ears and listen and allow for the Word of God to have its full effect This message I've preached before, uh, not in its exact uh, form or flow, but the message is vital to understanding who we are here at King's Cathedral and Chapels. It's a message that if you don't understand what I'm about to preach to you, you'll never understand how we got to where we are, how we're building a building that they said we couldn't build, how... We've gone from basically one church to 267 churches and soon to be 300, soon to be 400, soon to be 1,000. And I don't believe it'll ever stop uh, until he returns. Can you say yes? yes? And so it's a message on vision. could entitle it many different ways, but I have given you notes. And it says, what do you see? So I'd encourage you to take these and uh, fill those in as we move along. And so it's a, a message that we've heard that's, a bit repetitive if you've been around here for a while. Uh, I loved playing sports. I still do. They call, they call us older people decommissioned athletes. I'm not sure who came up with that. Probably a younger person because I don't feel decommissioned at all. I'm stronger than I've ever been in all my life. I think I'm faster, but I might not be, but I'm definitely stronger. That I know. And I know that Doing repetitive action as an athlete helps you. How many ever played ba- baseball or, or basketball or football? There's drills you do. I never liked some of the name of those drills like suicides. Never, never, you know, it's a reason it's called that because you work so hard that you feel like you just have killed yourself. You know, it's just brutal. Brutal. I, I was a wrestler, and uh, wrestling was one of the hardest sports I ever did. And we constantly did this repetitive exercise and repetitive uh, drills so that when you're in the game, it produced in you an immediate response without thinking, especially wrestling and martial arts, things like that. You, if you learn things, the, the soon as you're pushed a certain way, your body just responds. And that's when you're starting to get really good at. This is a message, though it's repetitive, will change your life. Can you say yes? Yeah, that means you want your life changed. So let's look at the text. Elijah sabotages the king of Syria's plans. So the king of Syria is raiding Israel, and God speaks to the man of God, Elijah, and and Elijah then tells 
the, the army of Israel where they're going to attack. And so they would be ready. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you knew where there was going to be an attack and then you just had all your troops standing there? So the king of Aram or the king of Syria is so frustrated that he says, there's a traitor in our midst. There's treason. Who is telling the plans? And they said, no, there's no traitor. There's a man of God. There's a prophet who hears what you say in your bedroom, and he knows, and he says, well, let's go get him, which to me is like a spirit of stupid. Because, I mean, if the prophet hears, you know, where the attack is going to be, and then you make a plan to go get him, he's probably going to be ready for that. Now, the text doesn't say that he knew he was coming, but the Lord was ready. Can you say it? Yes. And so he heads off to the, the, the king of Aram, the king of Syria, sends a great army, says the text, to a place called Dothan and surrounds Elisha and his servant. And, and when the servant gets up to make a fresh pot of coffee for the prophet, doesn't really say that, but I figure at least tea or something. He, he got up early before the prophet, and he goes out, and he's, you guys are a tough crowd. That was like a joke. <laughs> All right, so he goes out, and he looks around, and he sees this exceedingly great army, and, he, and he's overwhelmed with fear. His response to what he saw in the natural was one of fear. But the man of God, he comes and reports to Elijah. Elijah comes out, and his response is not a response of fear. His response is a response of faith. His response is a response of confidence. What was the difference? The servant of the man of God could not see what was reality. He didn't have any vision. Could I say it that way? And the man of God had vision. If for a moment today, you could be awakened and have your eyes open to what God wants you to do, to the vision that God has for your own personal life, the vision that God has for the church, the vision that God has. If, you're, if your eyes could be opened, your life will never be the same. The Bible says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge, a lack of vision. Well, what is vision? Well, there's two different kinds of vision. There's a literal vision, like Ezekiel saw the vision of a wheel within a wheel, a literal vision. Daniel had a, a, a literal vision in Daniel chapter 7. I like this so much, I'm going to read it to you. Verse 9. And I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. seated. His garment was white as snow. His hair on his head was pure like wool. His throne was a fiery flame. A what? A fiery flame. Its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Wow. And that's, that's talked about in the book of Revelation as well. So Daniel's having a literal vision. Come on, say literal vision. But that's not the only kind of vision. You say, Pastor, have you had a literal vision? I have. And, and have them from time to time. The other kind of vision is a hope vision. I want you to say that. A what? A hope vision. For example, in Romans 15, the apostle Paul says, I, I desire to come to you. He wants to come. His hope is to come to the, to the church in Rome. He had a hope vision. It was a, a heart vision, if you will. And here's the thing. Anybody can have a hope vision. If you lose hope, you're finished. You've got to have hope. You have to have a vision. Whether it be a literal vision or a hope vision, you got to have vision because without it, you're not going to do much for God. And the truth is, to the degree that you have vision, it's the degree that you'll see a miracle in your life. The beginning of a miracle is vision. The beginning of a miracle starts with a vision, whether it be a hope vision or a literal vision. And the degree that you have that vision, the degree that faith is released, is the degree that you'll see miracles take place. Vision is the beginning of a miracle. Now we're going to look at some Old Testament uh, historical figures. Abraham, Joseph. Abraham in uh, Genesis chapter 12. He's called by God out of Ur of the Chaldeans. And the Lord brings him and he shows him Canaan's land. He does what? He shows him Canaan's land. And he says, see the land before him? It's yours. So every time he would see the land before him, he would be reminded that it was his, that God had given it to him and his descendants. The land at that time is filled with Canaanites, who's the sin of the Amorites, as the text 
say, has not yet reached its fullness. They, they, they weren't, it wasn't quite ready to give it to him just yet, but he was telling him, this is all yours. In Genesis 15, in Genesis 15, what happens is that Abraham's talking to God and he says, I don't have an heir. You said you're going to give me all the land and I've got no heir. I have no offspring. There's no kin folk. And he says, well, Abraham, come outside. You ready, Abe? And he brings him outside. And what's fascinating about this is if you look at the Hebrew, he says to Abraham in Genesis 15, I believe it's verse 5. He says, now, Abraham, look at the stars. He brings him outside his tent. He tells him to look up. And in the actual Hebrew, he says, please, think about this for a second. I've preached this to you before, but it's profound to me. Why would God say, please, Abraham, please, will you just... Just look. Why would he do that? I'm going to tell you why. Because God partners with the likes of us. He partners with us. And what God wants to do, he first releases in seed form as a vision. And if you can't see, then you won't see the result of what he wants to do. Oh, oh, God, God was going to raise up a people anyway, whether Abraham wanted to be a part of it or not. Come on, if you look at, at Moses, if you look at Moses, Moses, you're not Moses, you're still Abraham. Okay. Moses at the burning bush, God says, I've heard their cry and I've come to deliver them. And Moses tries to talk him out of it. I feel anybody was like a reluctant leader. God was going to deliver him. He chose Moses. Moses decided to become part of it. You understand? God could have raised anybody else up. That's why on the end, on the way in the end, he was going to kill him. You got to read your Bible to see some of these things. So Abraham, he says, please, Abraham, please just look at all the stars. Do you see all the stars? Yes, beautiful more numerable than your children will be than all those stars. Wow. And every time he went outside and saw the stars, he thought, I'm going to have a lot of kids. Every time he went outside, even when there was cloud cover, he thought, oh, there's clouds. But above that, stars. And I'm going to have a whole mess of children. More numerable. Wow. Can you count those, Abraham? No. <laughs> Can you imagine you take a little square and start counting? You're like, wait, was that, was that one there before? Why would God do that? Because God uses people. He uses men. He uses women. And he first gives them vision. It can be a literal vision. It can be a hope vision. And every time Abraham would come out, he'd see the stars. It would be God prophesying to him all over again. Do you have a vision for your life? Do you have a vision? I mean, what's God going to do over this thing? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what God's going to do. Well, then you get the, I don't know. How about believing God? How about having vision? How about having a plan, a vision that God's given you and your children, your family, your marriage? If you're single, you're a student, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're, you're a part of the sanitation department, wherever you are, plumber, electrician, no matter what you do, have a vision for your life. Have a vision. If you look at the life of Joseph, Joseph, why would God give, why would God give Joseph dreams? You ever think about that? Why would God do that? Now, granted, he had the dreams. He didn't handle it all that well. He uh, was like a lot of younger people, full of themselves, and uh, shared his dreams, I think, out of the timing of God. You know, and it's, and it's had a, you think you came from a dysfunctional family. I mean, all, he, he had favoritism to the max, a favorite, favorite wife, and, and his father gave him a technicolor coat, and he got to hang out in the tents while everybody else did hard work and was tending in the fields. And he's like, hey, fellas, I had another dream. All you all just bowed down to me. And uh, it was these sheaves. There's 12 of them. There's 12 of you. I'm the one. I'm the guy. And you all bowed down. And uh, yeah, yeah. And the stars, everybody, me. They're like, um, we hate you, and we're going to rip your little cute little coat, and we're going to steal your loafers, and you're going in a pit. Pit means profit and training, by the way. If you found yourself in a pit, that, that might be what you're going through. But then he had these dreams, and he, would, he had these dreams that God strengthened him. He had a vision. He had a dream. He had a hope. He said, I, I, you know, in the end, he says, you know, you meant it for evil, but God meant it to save our whole family. And he was so settled in his walk with the Lord that, that even when that, that Jezebel by another name, uh, what's her name? Uh, 
that hussy, Farrah, uh, um, yeah, hussy, that's what she was, yeah, oh, is it Potiphar, I got it, Potiphar's wife, so Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him, and he said, you know, I mean, if that was to happen today, it'd just be like, yeah, you know, she likes me, and we just down like that, yeah, no, he, he says, I can't do such a wicked thing before, before God and before nobody would have caught him. And then he runs and she steals his coat and, you know, she makes up this whole story. And the fact that Joseph didn't get killed is an indication that basically Potiphar understood that his, yeah, you did that before too, I bet. Puts him in jail. The jail prospers because God was with him. God gave him dreams and dream interpretation and he's in prison the, the dreams strengthened him and helped him they really did you know who you know who joseph marries he marries potiphar's daughter did you know that because she was a witness they say of the whole thing she ended up marrying potiphar's daughter wow why would god give dreams why would god give vision because he wants to do a miracle through you in J Jacob's life, in Genesis 37, he goes off to Uncle Laban's house and begins to reap what he sowed. Laban's kind of ripping him off, you know, and he, he works for seven years to get the wife that he wanted. And when he marries her, he gets the other one. And he has to work for a whole another seven years. And, and then, you know, he, he makes this deal with Laban. Laban says, look, all the spotted and speckled lambs and goats you get. All the plain-colored ones I get. He says, no problem. And he takes a stick, two sticks, I believe it is. You go look at it, Genesis, I think, 37. And he whittles out the sections of the stick so the stick is spotted and speckled. And he takes those and he sticks it in the watering trough. And his, his faith was, his hope, hope, hope is what you're believing for. Faith is what you do on the weight of your hope. Faith is the action you take on the way to your hope, on the way to your vision. If you don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. So he has this hope, he has this vision of being blessed. So he takes two sticks, that's his faith, action. Puts it in front of the goats and the, and the lambs and believes that when they see that, they're going to produce spotted and speckled lambs and goats. Any geneticists out there today? Okay, that's not how that works. Uh, you can't change genes. Uh, ge your genetic, your DNA, dioxynucleic acid. That guy was close. Dioxyribonucleic acid. I got it, Dr. Chris. Yes. Jesus. That's like 10th grade biology. Adenine, thymine, guanine, cytosine. I'm just hitting the ball today. Hallelujah. Yeah, you don't change that by two sticks. Am I right, doctor? Pretty hard to change your DNA with two sticks. But you know what you can change? With faith. Nothing is impossible. It was an expression of his faith, and what God did is honored his faith. And you know what happened? He had a lot of spotted and speckled lambs and goats, and God blessed him. I said God blessed him. Vision is the beginning of a miracle. Touch your neighbor and say vision is the beginning of your miracle. Okay, so ask yourself this question now as we move on in the notes. Why would God do that? Why would God do it that way? Why would God give us vision to produce? Why? He could just come and do it himself. But he doesn't. It, it's the way that God operates. It's his nature, right in your notes, to do so. God speaks, God acts, God speaks again. I want you to say that. God speaks, God acts, God speaks again. He talks to Moses and says, go, I'm going to deliver them, and I'm going to bring you back to worship. He goes, he comes back, he gives them the Ten Commandments, and he gives them the next set of instructions. The thing is, though, if you don't obey A and B, you never get to Z. You never get to Z. If you don't do A, B, you don't get C, D. I, I don't know about you. If you're anything like me, I kind of just want, you know, let's just get the finished product right now. The Lord's like, yeah, no, just do A and B. God speaks, God acts, God speaks again. Over and over and over, it is the way that God works. Because each step is a further disclosure of who God is and his ways. Vision is progressive. Dr. Morocco coined a term, um, maybe you heard it before, but it really is revelatory to me. And it's called progressive apostolic vision. So let me, let me paint the picture for you. God gives a plan. So he speaks to a young man in his 30s in 1981 to take over a church on Maui. And uh, that Maui was a graveyard 
quote unquote, of preachers. But he takes over this work and he has a vision to just see it grow. Well, in the first year, it becomes the fastest growing church in America. That's what happens. And then right after, as he's doing that, you think that would be it, but then God speaks to him again and says, now, as the mayor of Maui County is the mayor over three islands, for those of you who know Hawaii, if you don't, then you can learn here. The mayor of Maui of Maui County is the mayor over Maui, Lanai, and Molokai. So he says, as the mayor is mayor of three islands, I want you to pastor on three islands. He's like, what? That's different. How can I be in three? I'm going to show you how. And they open two other extensions. This is like, this is 1983, 82, 83. The vision was just to touch a church on Maui, to see a great move of God on Maui. But then now it becomes Molokai and Lanai. Because when you take steps of faith, you keep taking them. God expands. It's progressive. Vision is progressive. Say that. Vision is progressive. Progressive apostolic vision that's in relation to the church. We've been expanding ever since 267 churches around the world. If you don't do A, you ain't getting no B. Never mind. C, D, E, F. It's God's way of doing things. And it's God's way of saying that we're important. Right in your notes, that we're important. You're important to God. You know, it's amazing that God would use us to intercede. You know, I really felt an unction when we prayed. I know there's thousands of people praying for your friends. That precious girl, Kelly. I felt something happen. Now I got faith. God's touching her. I think her brain's coming back to life in Jesus' name. Amen. What would happen if we didn't pray? What would happen if you didn't fight? What would happen if you don't do the vision that God's called you to? Come on, what would happen if you didn't hear that if you didn't get your carcass out of bed today and come to church? You might not hear this message. It'll change your life if you learn to apply it. You're not at a dead end. You're not in some dead-end job and a dead-end place and a dead-end marriage with dead-end kids. Have a different vision. Start speaking. Come on, God wants to use you to be a trophy of His grace. God wants to take your family, take your marriage, take your money. He wants to use your gifts, use your talents. He wants to help you to change the world. You can change the world. Oh, man, I'm off script now, but praise the Lord. When we went to Molokai all those years ago, we were called there. I'll just tell you what they all told us. Oh, there's a spirit of death there. And we had a whole, we had pastors that had gone before. It had already been a church for, I don't know, 15 years. My wife and I went there by the word of the Lord because I didn't want to go. But then when I had vision, he met me in a dream, showed me all kinds of stuff and told me I'm going. And then I got happy about it. It wasn't like, oh, I want to go there where the spirit of death is. And everybody hates you and you'll be the only howly which is a white person. And, I, you know, it's a, how many of you know when you're, you're going through stuff, you can see things not exactly clearly. I wasn't, we were not the only white people, but we were the only white people in the church. Oh, no, there was Dr. Langer. Anyway, when, great man. So we got there, and then my mama came, and you were the four, fifth white person. Amen. When we got there, we hung the flags of the nations. I stole them from Pastor Colleen and got in big trouble later on. And I remember ironing all of those. True story. It's Christian borrowing. I was going to give them back when they needed them, but I, I needed them first. It's also called stealing. Anyway, the Lord forgave me. And we, we ironed out all of these. I remember ironing all those flags, praying over every nation. And we hung all the nations to the flags, the flags of the nations all through the whole ceiling. Because the Lord told me, you need to tell these people they can change the world from Molokai. You can change the world from Molokai. We, they began to do missions trips and go to, the, go to French Polynesia. You know, now there's, I think there's four different churches, four different extension churches from what was started all those years ago. Pastor Robert is the one that God graciously allowed us to put the finishing touch on. He became the pastor there, and that place has exploded. It's the largest church, an island of 7,000 people, and uh, there's, oh, I think there's almost, you know, there's 500 people that go to the church, something like that, 450 people or something that goes to the church. That's, think about that. Church of 400 in a, in a, in a population of 7,000. How could that happen? Vision. Everybody say vision. vision. Come on, raise your right hand to God and say, Lord, open my eyes. He said, well, it must have been God's will. No, 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 no. No, that's not how that is. 
You see, God, God has a will. He, he's going to return. He's going to come back no matter what any of us do today. So it's called the eminent return of Christ. So you could backslide today. He's still coming. You could not go to church, not serve God. Is he still coming? Yes. But then he releases vision. He releases vision to people. And, and whether that dream or that vision is going to come to pass is dependent upon the person that receives it. So if you don't step out and move in faith, then you're not going to see, well, as long as it's God's will. Yeah, God's will is, is many times, he, it's incredible to me, but he, he entrusts it to the likes of us. Does that not blow your mind? The most angels could preach the good news of Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected far better than any of us could. Yet, God entrusts people like, like you, like, like me. Donkeys. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. I know, yeah. Donkey. We're all, all of us fallen short of the glory of God, but it's the gift of God that he brings eternal life and then he uses us. Wow. One of the reasons is important. Look at C. By giving us vision, he's testing us to see whether we'll believe him or not. It says Abraham believed God. He was accredited to him as righteousness. Vision encourages us when there's difficult times. I said vision encourages us when there's difficult times. I've told this story so many times, but maybe you haven't heard it, and it was a powerful moment for me. God spoke to me very clearly, now 2005, that we were going to come and pastor this work. Uh, God bless Ken Gable, was the previous pastor, and we came and, and took over from, uh, from him, and uh, he told us what, that was going to happen. I was minding my own business, running on the island of Kauai, and I had an open vision. Literally, I, when I came to my senses, in other words, it was just kind of like an open vision, meaning uh, I couldn't see normally anymore. I was seeing a motion picture that was in front of me, and I was awake. And when I came out of that, I was standing on the side of the road. I'm like, oh, my God, I think, I th- th- wow, whoa. And the vision was simple, that in the same way that there's, I saw this pipeline in Alaska, and I saw it coming from the North Slope down to Valdez, and and the Lord said, in the same way as this glistening pipeline and this golden oil going through this open vision, in the same way there's a pipeline, I'm bringing a pipeline of the golden oil of Zechariah, and you're going to be a part of it. I'm sending a great revival, and that oil will cover over the state, and it'll go over to down into Canada. It'll go across to China. It'll spread out. I'm bringing revival. And then I saw this school of ministry, and it was so powerful. And when it was done, I was just like, oh, my gosh. I called Dr. Morocco, told him the story. He says, it's God. It's God. We need to pray about when you're to go. And, and the long story short, uh, we prayed. The Lord said, now, go now. We literally had packed our stuff, was out of Kauai within a month. And we came here. The Lord only showed us that first part. Because if he, if he had showed us the rest of it, I probably would have thought, that's for somebody else. Because when you run into difficulty, I mean, we got here. And I just, you know, I'm sure it was a fabrication of our own mind, either that or it's totally true. We felt completely hated by most of the people in the church. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. There's maybe 10 or 15 people that didn't hate us and they're still here. Amen. Everybody else left. And uh, praise the Lord. You know, you get, God, God moves people around and we're very grateful. And there's different shepherds for different sheep. And we understand that. And we're so thankful for God doing what he does. But it was difficult in those, that, that first year or two. Very difficult. And I remember driving the church truck. In fact, you were there, Mom. Driving to Delta Junction. We had church up there. And we were on the way back. And uh, I think my mother was with me in the, in the truck. And the truck basically froze. The gasoline froze. I never heard about gasoline, you know, Heat, that stuff you put in your tank when you're driving up north or going to... I didn't know that gas could freeze. What kind of spirit? Nobody ever told me that. I don't know if they tried to kill us or what. Oh, yeah, and you should probably put some cardboard in the front when you're driving 50, 60 below so you don't die. (laughs) We didn't know anything about that. Amen. They're trying to minister to us in a special way. Hey, have a good trip to Fairbanks. Makes a funny story. I'm not sure it's true, but it could be. Anyway. So the truck froze, and uh, we were with Jason Adair, and my mother, my mother got out to get in Jason Adair's car. He's an evangelist. And, uh, 
and, and, and they drove off, and I stayed with the truck. I put on my emergency gear. I put on my bunny boots. I put on my, my Carhartts. Not any average Carhartts. The one with the black lining. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The black lining Carhartts. I don't care what color the lining is. 45 below zero, buddy. It doesn't matter what kind of bunny boot. You know, I don't, you, know you can have a bear boot. You can have black lining, red lining. Doesn't matter kind of what you got on your body. It's cold, Jack. You spend three hours up in that, and you're going to be calling on the name of the Lord or going to sleep. So I sent my mom off, and they're gone. I think they were gone for like three hours. And I'm in that truck. It doesn't run. I'm doing jumping jacks behind the wheel. You know, there's a major ice buildup on the windows. And all I could hear, all I could think is, cotton will kill you. Cotton will kill you. Cotton will kill you. And I'm wearing all cotton. Now, that was like the, the piece of revelation I had as, as a new Alaskan. Not quite a sourdough yet. The revelation I had is, cotton will kill you, and then don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. Cotton will kill you, and if you fall asleep, you're going to die. You know, you start getting hypothermia, you just feel like, I'm just going to go to sleep. Yeah, and then you die, right? That's what, that's, that, that, the cotton will kill you, don't go to sleep. Cotton will kill you, that's all I got. So, you know, two hours go by. I can't even, I, I've done jumping jacks behind the wheel. I tried running up and down. No more cars are coming by. It's, it's cold, okay? And so I, I start getting dis- discouraged, and I start falling asleep. I'm like, don't fall asleep. Oh, oh, oh. Hypothermia. I'm, I'm feeling it. And what happened was, I think there were some people that were praying. I know my mom was praying. Other people were praying. I know my wife was praying. And something rose up in me, and I had that vision that God gave me on the island of Kauai. And oh, how I wanted to be back there right then. (laughs) The sun hitting my face. Yes. And I remembered that vision, and I thought, hey, wait. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not supposed to die in some stupid Chevy on the side of the road, freezing to death. This is not God's will because half the church or more, they hate me. There's only 50, 60, maybe 70 people in the church, and this is not some big revival. I don't see any golden oil. Ain't no golden oil, and this is not revival. This is death with cotton achillea. No. So I, I started declaring the vision. Vision will help you when things get difficult. And I stood there and said, God, you said. I said, I just said, Lord, you said you, that you were going to build a, a golden oil of Zechariah flow pipeline thing. And that, that's why you sent me. I don't see any golden oil. I haven't had revival. I think they tried to kill me in this stupid truck. I'm freezing. My bunny boots are like, they don't work. I black line, red line, whatever. The, 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 the stupid clothes they told me to bring don't make a lick of difference at 45 to 50 below. And you're sitting there freezing to death in your truck. Oh, God, you broke me here for revival. Lord, you brought me here to bring the golden oil. Lord, I haven't seen. Ah! God, do it. Do it, Lord, do it. God, do something. By the time I finished preaching, and I preached my brains out, I was warm. I was hot all over. I took two offerings. Hallelujah. And right when I finished, I mean, I finished and was like, amen. Woo! Yes! And I see a, I see a, a state trooper. Just when I finished, I got saved again. The state trooper pulls up as God is my witness. This is exactly what happened. State trooper pulls up. I get out of the truck. I have to push my door open because it's frozen from all of my breath. I get out. He pulls up. He cracks the window. No offense to our state troopers and no offense to all police officers in the house. But this is what happened. I think he just thought it was cute. I didn't think it was so cute. He cracks his window and says, hey, and I'm right there at the window. Hey, he says, are you cold? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm cold. He's like, oh, well, your mommy sent me to, wanted me to give you this. And he takes a granola bar. (laughs) Kid you not. Takes a granola bar and he slides it through the window. Window. So I take, I'm like, thanks, thanks. Can I get in? He's like, oh yeah, just get in the back. So I went in the back. Some of you know what that's like, all molded. You know the molded plastic seats? Ain't no bunch of heating vents back there, let me just tell you that. So there I am in the molded seats, in my, in my, my black-lined Carhartts, and my little bunny boots, 
and I'm in the back, and, I, and it's not much better. And there's this little window. And he's like, well, what happened? I said, yeah, yeah. I said, hey, can you turn the heat up? So he turns the heat up, but I don't feel anything. So I'm just thinking, what the heck? I just forced myself through that window. As far as my, I mean, all the way, wind, I mean, like shoulders. I'm like, and he's like, he's looking at me like, thanks, man. True story. God will give you vision so that when difficult times come, you can begin to express that, communicate it, declare it, and it releases faith. I ain't going to die yet. I haven't seen revival yet. Ah! Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, building our building. I, I'd like it done already. I've had people say, hey, how come that thing's not done yet? I'm like, why don't you write a check? We'll, we'll get it done. Amen. <laughs> I haven't said that. I want to. Well, there was other obstacles and things in the way. And we had work stoppage in the middle of the summer. You know, it's not, not exactly what you're planning for. The, the building wasn't even my idea. I'm just trying to walk out the vision that God gave us. Listen, 2002. Some of you weren't even born. 2002, a little-known prophet by the name of Cindy Jacobs prophesied over this church. I was there. It was at a conference called the Equipping the Saints Conference. I remember the prophecy. I was standing nearby, but I was pastoring another church back then. I didn't get here until 2006. So 2002, she prophesies, the Lord shows me the building. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but we do have it written out. The Lord shows me the building, and it's big, really big, and it's beautiful. And people will ride by and say, what kind of arrogance, what kind of pride to build that? But the Lord says, it's my design, and build it around the house of prayer. And it's going to be beautiful, and all the money's going to come in, and all the resources are going to come in, and I'm going to bless the people of that house. I'm, I'm close to exactly what it says. I can feel the life on it right now. I'm going to bless the businesses of that house. I'm going to bless all who partner with it, and I'm going to pour out blessing, and she says, and you can take that to the bank, and that's how she closed. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Woo, yeah. We run up against these difficulties. The thing is, we already started, and then I got that prophetic word and saw it. Somebody brought it back to me, I read it, and it was the exact thing we're doing, building around a house of prayer, a 24-hour house of prayer, doing the very thing that God told us to do. And I've stood there at times just wondering what in God's name. And then, no, really, I'm just being honest with you. I remember we staked that thing out. I'm standing with Wally. And he's like, pretty big, huh? I'm like, yeah, praise God. And listen, understand, it's not an ego build. It's not a 5,000-seat auditorium. We don't have faith for that. It's 12 to 1,400 people in the auditorium. And furthermore, let me go on to say, talk to anybody in ministry throughout the whole valley who built a building, most of them say, oh God, I wish we went bigger. I'm just telling you. Now he stood there and he said, do you see the corner? We're standing on one corner. Do you see the corner? I'm like, yeah. Ooh. He's like, you see it? I said, yeah, I see it. I said, wow, yeah, right there, right? He says, no, 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 that, that's, that's the middle of a lobby. He says, all the way at the end. I thought, Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, and then it's just kind of like, you know, I didn't say that to him, but in the moment I was like, oh, what have I done? 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 Oh, hey, praise God. Oh, yeah, no, it's just the right size. Oh, Jesus. What a Jesus. Jesus. No, I'm telling you. And then I'm reminded about how all the, the fingerprint of God, how it's come through over and over and over. You, you can't deny, I mean, how do, you, how do you get a property back like that? How does that happen to speak to a 10-year-old? To goad me, to go there. For the perfect time, and it goes right back to the bank, and we happen to be right there. Our main lender told us you can't buy any more property, but then they even changed their mind. I mean, it goes on and on and on. When I first came here, there's, a, there's another evidence. God just does this all along the way. In difficult times, he'll encourage you. I was standing outside the barn. It was about to, I think it was about to be demoed or something like that. Do you have that picture? And I, I, I look, and I, I look in the ground that's been, you know, we're, we're flattening things out as before it was totally brought to grade. If you have that, did, did my son send that to you? Do you have it? Nod. Okay. 
And I look and I see this. Go ahead, put this up. You know what that is? That's this. Looks similar, doesn't it? Do you know what this is? This is the tape with the first time that I ever preached in this church as a guest speaker. Ever. We came and did an encounter. Do you remember that? Some of you remember. I came and did an encounter for the men. I remember standing in the, in the, uh, in the kitchen with Ken Gable on my right-hand side, looking at Pioneer Peak. <laughs> and the fire of heaven falling on me as I had to hold on to two ends of that sink. And I thought, whoa. I mean, it was like I didn't know if I was just going to get sucked off the planet. Like that kind of intensity. And I'm weeping. And, and as I recall, Ken's also moved. And he says this to me. He says, hey. I said, what? He says, I think you're supposed to do something in this state. I said, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and now to be here where we are right now and to have this very same tape in my hand, supernaturally. Yeah, I found it in the dirt outside behind, outside by the barn, right in that about location. I took that with my phone. Showed you how much they hated me. They threw the tape out in the dirt. <laughs> but God would protect this little thing. So at the right moment, when it just looks too big, I'd be like, hey, what's that? Pastor Daniel, in August of the 8.30 service. When God speaks, when God gives vision, he will bring it to pass. But it requires a people who got to believe him. You got to believe God. You got to believe God. And when it looks like it's impossible, know this, that not one thing, not one thing's impossible. Not one thing, not one thing's impossible. Oh, are my arms too short, says the Lord. Are my arms too short? And the Lord says, no, they're not. Come on, give God glory in the house. You may be seated. In Kenya, if you're still on. The things that I've told you to do, I will bring it to pass. There are some that are yoked with you that you need to separate. And it'll happen with great grace, not with anger or control. For I'm bringing, says the Lord, a separation. We're prophesying over Kenya right now. I'm bringing a separation to those who would hinder you and hold you back from what I've told you to do. Let vision soar. Let that vision breathe. Prophesy it. Declare it. Pray it. Watch it come to pass. vision when it's fulfilled God gets all the glory can you say amen when we have that and I, I, I have so many that encourage me I've seen myself on that front row on that opening day I've seen myself weeping for what God has done and yet here not, not the whole worship team I'm sorry just, just where we're at for got a little bit to go hold up Instruments only, please. Appreciate you all. It's going to happen. I, I said it's going to happen. How does vision come? All right, so and I've heard a lot of messages on vision. But how do you get it? How do you get it? Well, very simple. Look, keep in mind, first of all, that there's always a fight over vision. You have to fight. Because it, the, the, the devil knows, darkness knows, that if you can get a vision that it causes you to explode in faith then you'll move the kingdom forward at an unprecedented rate. But if you, can't, if you don't get a vision and you'll stay myopic and just looking at your own life or limited vision, no, isn't any vision from God is uh, that which you can't do by yourself. If you have a vision that you could just do by yourself, that's your vision. God always incorporates teams. So there's a fight over it. And God gives vision four ways. Four ways. You ready? Write in your notes. 
Four ways that God gives vision. Through a burden. Through what? Through a burden. Nehemiah got a burden to rebuild the wall. He wept. News comes to him, the cupbearer. News comes, the walls of Jerusalem are burned with fire and they're broken down. And he weeps and he fasted. He prays this incredible prayer of identificational repentance, which, which some of you might apply to your life. And then he petitions the king and he gets favor. And he returns to Jerusalem. He has a burden. He's like, this is not right. This is not right that there shouldn't be walls, that there shouldn't be walls around the city. And, he, and it's this whole story of how he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. People laughed at him. And we've had people laugh at us. Well, they might be laughing now. We'll invite them all to the grand opening. And try not to get bitter. Amen? Well, it's one particular banker. I'm going to put him on the front row, though. I, I'm, I'm going to. He laughed. Like, he, like laughing like... Told him the thing, rolled out the plan, showed him, here's what we're doing. I'm going to see if you're interested in helping us at all. And he's like, <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. <clears throat> I'm thinking, like, what's so funny? Like, he says, yeah, <clears throat> you can't build that. And I sat there. It was like, how many books have I read about the same kind of thing? Yet here I am, little old me, sitting there having somebody tell me what God said is going to happen and somebody else tell me, I said, who are you, Sanballat? Who are you? Who are you? Anyway, I didn't mouth off. I'm just going to invite him to the grand opening. Anyway, he laughed. And I said, I said, no, actually, we are building that. He says, no, you can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't. I said, no. And then I stood up. I said, no, we will do it. It will happen. You'll see it. He says, no, you're, you're never going to get a loan for that. You're never going to get the money. For and I said, okay. You know, thanks. Uh, I'm going to go. God bless you. Shook his hand. That was the end of our meeting. I walked out. It was interesting. I got a call after we began to see the, the steel going up. Got a call from the banker. Hey, uh, it's uh, me, the guy that laughed at you. Hi. I'm like, yeah, what? I was kind. You know, the, there's nothing wrong with him. He just didn't have vision. Come on, say, Lord, open my eyes. It comes through a burden. It's one of the ways. It can come through a challenge with David and Goliath. David's like, what? I get a wife and tax exemption? No, cap. Hook me up. And he just goes for it. Like, Man, I killed the lion and the bear? What? With a head that big, I can't miss. Dude, I'm down. Challenge. You can come through a challenge. You can come through a prophetic word. That's how I got here. Through a prophetic word. Vision can come through a prophetic word. Vision can come through an experience, either personally or vicariously. You know, Pastor Karen's landing here in 20 minutes, coming in from Springfield, Missouri, just having left the, the I believe it's the largest women's conference in the nation. It's two weekends because they can't fit it all in one weekend. There's, we thought it was 10,000 people the first week, but it's not. It's smaller. 7,000 women. Come on. That's a, that's, that's a lot of ladies. 7,000 the first weekend, and the second week is smaller. 4,000 ladies the second weekend. She calls me when she first gets there, and we, we, you know, we're not the kind that don't talk a lot. We talk a lot. We FaceTime all the time. We have, you know, six or seven phone calls during the day when we travel. It's just, we're close. So she's like, man, you wouldn't believe it. There's, there's like five or six full-size tractor trailer truck loads of lighting equipment alone in the setup. And she said, it's so big, it's a sea of people. And uh, at one point she calls and says, you wouldn't believe it. The, the, the teams around here, they have 16, I didn't say this in the first service, but she's 1,600 volunteers. 1,600 volunteers doing worship, greeting, ushers, hospitality, food. Amazing. Pastors, wives, and pastors from all over the nation flying to come hear this, this incredible conference. She got some reserved seats because otherwise you're like in the nosebleed section. She had favor, met some people. The reserved seats were like, I mean, you had to get there an hour or two early to get a good seat to be up front or whatever. 
She also, she calls me and she says, I'm so frustrated right now. I said, what's going on? She goes, I'm trying to get out of the parking lot with 7,000 women that can't drive. She goes, you know, you know something? She's just like monologuing. You know what? I'm just going to park. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm just going to park and let this clear out because it's like everybody's like almost hitting each other. And I just, I just, you know, I, man, oh God. <laughs> I laughed hard about that. I said, take a picture, man. Put it on Instagram. That's hysterical. You know, no offense, but I mean, depth perception, you know, they come within five feet of each other. Oh, I'm sorry. I almost hit you. Five feet. You know, that, that's a good distance. Okay. <laughs> we FaceTime. And while we're FaceTiming, she, she, we're FaceTiming, and this is all I see, you know. I just see her. And all I see her walk, oh, yeah, and then, and then, and then, oh, and then God. And they're baptized in the Holy Ghost. And spirit fell. It's amazing. And, and she's walking. I can tell she's walking briskly, and she's just, I said, where are you? She says, oh, I'm, I'm in the parking lot. I said, you're in the parking lot for like three minutes, four minutes? She goes, yeah, I parked on the far side, so I don't have to go through all of that mess again. <laughs> you know what it did? I'll tell you what it did. It opened her eyes of what God could do with a group of women in a church. It gave her, she received impartation. It opened her eyes. It gave her vision. It gave her vision to see God do something amazing in this company of Deborah. She saw this church. She thought, they, they do stuff so excellent, so amazing. Gosh, 1,600 volunteers. She goes, we got a long way to go. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. But we have come a long way. When I hang out with people of vision, it gets, you hang out with people that are going somewhere, it gets on you. Vision can come vicariously. It can come to you personally that way. True vision is the work of the Holy Spirit right in the notes. It burns brightly by seeking the Lord through fasting and prayer. Exodus 15, God showed Moses a piece of wood, but if he never prayed, he wouldn't have seen the wood. I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. You fast, you pray, you get a vision for your life. It's burning and stay strong that way. By having others pray for us. I, I have people pray for me when I travel or I'm around anybody that, that I perceive to be a person of anointing and authority who's done great things in the earth. I'm going to tell you that one of the first things I'm doing is I'm looking for an opportunity for that person to lay hands on me. Would you pray for me? I'm trying to do something. Uh, I'm, uh, this golden oil, Zachariah thing. Yeah, would you pray for me? You'd be like, oh yeah. And they pray for me. Guess what happens? Something. I can't quite put my finger on it all the time. Something happens. People praying for you. Write it down. Everybody say, write it down. We're talking about how vision comes. Comes through a burden. Comes through a challenge. It comes through a prophetic word. It comes vicariously through spending time with other people that have vision. Write it down. Speak it forth. Proclaim it. By acting on the vision that you have. Can you say amen? All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and pass out those cards. Ushers, would you help us? Did you get something? Come on, say, Lord, open my eyes. change your life. I remember my son, he's doing his first airport run to pick up his mama. God bless him. He was sitting like around here and I was talking about how God releases supernatural power upon people and to do supernatural giftings and God can just give you gifts like in a moment. And so I started picking on my boy. This is a years ago. He started playing drums and I think when he was nine. And, and I said, like, for instance, you're playing drums now. You never played before, right? And he says, no, yeah, I played before. I'm like, you never played before. No, yeah, I did. And he didn't get the memo that you don't contradict the preacher when he's preaching, you know. Anyway, he got the memo there after that. I said, okay, okay, when? He said, I played in my head. Some of you were in that service. It was a Friday night prayer meeting. Our drummer didn't show up. Minister Micah was on the keys. And he said, I can play, Dad. I said, sure you can. That's great. Awesome. I'm glad you can play. Oh, well, no drummer tonight. It's... What? I can play. I can love I can tell how it really is because he's not here. Don't record this, Brother No Cap. 
I said, yeah, sure you can play. I pat him on the head. He says, dad, and he looks at me, he gets this look. He gets this prophetic, I can do all things look. He says, I can do it. And I thought, put my hand on his head. And I said, Lord, seriously? And the Lord's like, how do you know if he can do it or he can unless you let him try? And I thought, well, bad drummers are a nightmare, Lord. You'd know that. The tingling cymbal, you know what I'm talking about. He said, let him do it. So I walked up to Minister Micah. And we let him get on there. You gave him whatever, you know, sign language, whatever you gave. You remember this, right? He played. He played so well, did builds, transitions. He played so well that Minister Micah, as I recall, you couldn't even play the keys because you were laughing so hard. You had to stop because you're like, what is that? I'm, I'm weeping and laughing on the front. I'm like, how does that even happen? How does that happen? He played in his head. Now, mind you, if you ever watched him for all his first eight years, he focused on Minister Micah. was on the drums. He played, when we would change his clothes, you know, this is really like when he was younger. I don't change his clothes anymore. He does his own clothes. You know, you go to change your kids, diaper and everything. He had, he had these round marks on his thighs from the time he could, from the time he was like one and a half playing in his heart. He had vision. I was told by a man that I greatly respect just recently who had tears in his eyes. He said, you know something? He's like, he's like getting, he's like professional. He's like getting professional. Just turned 17. Been playing our, one of our, he's our main drummer since he was 10. How does that happen? Vision. How are we going to finish this building? Vision. Vision. Come on, everybody, get one of these cards. You have one of these? Come on, take a look at this with me. Take a look at this with me. Now, all over the world, 267 churches are all doing this. All of our extensions are doing it. It's Vision Sunday. It's t Feast of Tabernacles starts today. It's in alignment with that on purpose. goes for one whole week. I'm going to receive a special offering towards our building. I want you to stretch. I want you to reach. We need lots of resources to finish it. God's going to release it to us according to our faith. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? Amen. So take this card. Go ahead, look at it. Fill it out. We're going to receive an offering right now. You say, well, I'm not ready. I need to pray about it. Okay. Then you can do it anytime this week or next week, next Sunday. If you want to pray through or you're believing. You know, many times in supernatural giving, I'll want to do something and then I don't have it. So I believe God or I'll do a down, a down payment on what I'm believing for. And then, super, listen, supernaturally, that means aside from my paycheck, aside from anything I see, boom, check in the mail, something happens. I'm telling you, believe God. That prophetic word from Cindy Jacobs, 2002, that God is going to prosper the people that, that build that thing. That's us. That's me. I'm getting, I'm getting in on this. Can someone else say amen? All right. Go ahead. Take time to do that. Take time to fill that card out. Or you can take it home. And uh, are we ready, ushers? All right. Do we do envelopes? Are ready too? All right. Let's do that. For those of you who want an envelope, ushers, would you come? We're just about on top of our one o'clock service, so hurry up, take your time. Amen. Did you get something from God? Let vision burn in your heart. Let a vision for your marriage, a vision for your kids, a vision for the kingdom. Hey, blood's running out of our sister's hand over here. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is going to raise up visionaries from this house. He's going to raise up visionary leaders, visionary people for the arts. He's going to raise up visionary people. He's going to do it. He's releasing vision, and according to the vision, he's going to release faith, and it's going to come to pass. With God, nothing is impossible. We will see 10% of our population a part of this church. That's 10,000 people. I'm just telling you. So that when it happens, you're like, I heard him say that. Yeah, 10,000. Why? Because it's not right for anybody to go to hell from Wasilla, from the surrounding area, from all of the state of Alaska. It's not right that people should be bound. Opioids is dropping. Drug deals and busts are taking place all over. God is going to root out, tear down every assignment of darkness. 
Come on, drug dealers are being busted. People are being saved. Oh, God. Domestic violence will end. We'll put churches in every single village all around the state of Alaska. We're going to put churches in California. We're going to put churches in China. We're going to put churches in Korea. We're going to put churches in North Korea. We're going to plant churches in Indonesia, in Amsterdam. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. And every... Everywhere else, God gives us a burden. We will do it. God will give us leaders. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet. Ushers, would you come? And just put those buckets up front here. Let's do it that way. And if you're going to give or turn in that card, you can turn in the card and give later. If you're believing supernaturally, my wife and I are stretching. You can do something great according to our faith. But you, you obey God. You do something. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, as people give into the vision of this house, I pray open up windows of heaven and bless them beyond their wildest dreams or imaginations exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. I pray the hundredfold, come on, the what? The hundredfold return. The what? The hundredfold. We're blessed and we are multiplying and that project will be done with shouts of grace, grace. And this building will be sold according to your plan and will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.